Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We continue to discover new ways to record the podcast from Milwaukee, from Los Angeles, from Denver. One of us is in the studio using the studio equipment, as you can tell by the sound of my voice. One of us is at home. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Can you guess where I am? (laughs) You're at home. I just told them that. (laughs) Papa Zimmerman coming soon to a street near you. Had to be the draft day, but it's fine. Congratulations, buddy. Awesome news. Thank you. I'm very excited for you. I am very excited to feel 8% safer around you, knowing that if something large falls on me, your dad's strength will just overwhelm your body and you'll pick it up off me, even if I'm not your child necessarily. I wouldn't trust that. That's not very much. Have you seen my stick arms? But no, it's other way. I don't, know, I don't know if you understand how dad's strength works. You'll have an understanding of it once you acquire it. <laughs> you don't understand uh, dad's strength until you're a dad. Ricky yeah. Rubio's in Cleveland now, so not a lot of people want to talk to him, but you can probably get a hold of him now and ask him how it went for him. We obviously saw the benefits of that in his game. DA. Alas. We will move. Oh yeah. DeAndre too. Very, very much dad strength, not losing Jokic in the post. That's, that's father stuff right there. No transition from that to the trade. Kevin, I tried really hard there. I was just trying to get there. So we are talking around 10, 15 PM Thursday night, post draft edition of the pod, as we promised a day ago, Kev, uh, I I feel fine now I've gotten over it, but I'm not going to lie. This trade just ruined my day. Um, it's hard not to, after you put in what I estimate between like 30 and 40 hours of cramming slash writing in the last week. Cause I genuinely had seen Dosumu a bit, uh, had seen bones Highland, like a little bit of caught a couple of these guys in the last like year or two or three years of doing the draft stuff. But a lot of this was like cramming. So my personal experience of it was a bit frustrating, but to get past that, that no one cares about just to get to the deal, the Suns traded the 29th overall pick and guard Javon Carter to the Brooklyn Nets for guard Landry Shamit. Uh, This trade is not yet official. Uh, The Suns released the portion that is official, I guess, which is that Dayron Sharps writes who the Nets wind up taking 29th is he's officially a net now, Uh, but Landry Shamit is not officially a son yet. Javon Carter is not officially a net yet. We have to wait on that. We were talking about this before we hit record, Kevin. There are a lot of different angles you can take away from this trade, and I kind of tried to hit on like five or six of them in the second half of what I wrote after getting to Shamit uh, as a player. So I'm really open to start wherever because all of them are equally interesting to me, and uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of decide where we start. Oh, do you want me to be negative? <laughs> well, you can – That I mean, that's part of it, right? Because you can – there's – I. I don't know how it reads in terms of I, I know what my opinion is on the trade and how I feel about it. And we'll get into that in a bit, but I don't know how it reads from like the words perspective. Cause I said positive things in there and I said negative things in there too. So yeah. whichever direction you want to go is fine. Just establishing that we're not going to be one way or the other on this trade. I think. Yeah. I mean, let's just start with what we know. Um, Landry's a dude who obviously he gives you shooting great and moving off the ball can do enough, like making good decisions, making the right pass. As you wrote, he can 
you know, pump fake a guy out of his socks and shoes and take a couple of dribbles and make the right pass, which is something that, you know, the guy going away, Javon Carter, who didn't, he, he was basically kicked out of the rotation in the playoffs. He, he couldn't do that. Um, and obviously Javon is a completely different player, had the defensive chops, but was limited. And so Landry brings the offensive juice that I think is going to more Langston Galloway if they lose him, replace that. Um, he is good enough on the ball to initiate offense, I think. But he's not going to be the the thing I keep talking about, which is downhill creation, which is why, as many people have pointed out, Cam Johnson or sorry, campaign is still obviously on the table and a different guy. He's not re- going to replace campaign. So saying all that, I think that's an upgrade, right? Cause Carter basically Monty, Monty loved that dude and felt okay enough to trade him. But I think the question about the negativity that I'm feeling is everyone's like, okay, you saved two, 2 million. You saved the second year on Carter's deal on this, but you didn't even wait for the draft to unfold to get it done. And even if you didn't like those players that were left on the board, um, you decided that you don't care about having the cheapest of first round picks on a first round contract into the very expensive stages. And so when you look at that versus, all right, you're just, you basically choose, I have to fill this roster when I hand out big contracts to the guys we're going to talk about later. I'm going to have to hand them out to vets instead of rookies who might have a lot more upside and you might get an amazing deal if you pick the right guy. So I just think that's a little short sighted and it's basically admitting again that you aren't good at drafting, which this team give James Jones a lot of credit, but this team's not good at drafting and they've avoided the draft completely, which is, I guess, fine. But at some point that's going to come back to bite them, I think. And maybe they trade in and get more picks. Second round picks are not that expensive as we saw later on, but that's still a concern. And we didn't even mention last podcast, Jeff Bauer is gone. So I don't know how that changes the front office's thinking, but it's still a major concern that this franchise just doesn't care about the draft to some degree. Yeah. I think the, the closing uh, sentence there was, was one of the more important parts of, of everything you said. A couple things. First of all, inside baseball, I told you like, Oh yeah, I know the computer's not going to make any noises. Let me close out everything. And then a Dell update pops up immediately. So I thought I had that all squared away. You heard the computer sound. You'll hear it in the (laughs) recording. I very much apologize little new experience giving me anxiety, but it looks like it's going well for now. We'll see what, what it sounds like after, but, but to go back to the point, Kev, a uh, couple of things. So Shamit, I'm, I'm not so sure about dribble guy on a dribble guy rating of one to 10. I give him about a five or a six. He, he's definitely up, up above Carter for sure, but can he be, can he be a secondary ball handler? Even I'm, I'm not quite sure. Can he run the offense in spurts and be the primary guy? I don't think so. Can you run can you run a secondary action every now and then? If you give him the ball with eleven seconds left in the shot clock winding down, can he make something happen? I I don't really think so. 
so I think from that perspective and looking at him as a combo, you, you would have liked someone who could have been that if possible. But again, those guys don't grow on trees. Very hard to find. If you bring back campaign, this is this is fine, right? If this is looked at yeah. as a campaign replacement, which I definitely don't think it is, uh, and, and would be a would be a bad thing if it was looked at like that. Um, which I don't think it is. So I, I think it's fine. It, the, again, at the end of the day, we're talking about the ninth or 10th guy on the roster, really, depending on how the rest of their free agency goes and who they bring back and who they don't, where he falls in the pecking order. But either way, I really do believe that he's going to be the fourth guard in the rotation, but he's going to be someone that they're actually going to be able to trust in the regular season more consistently and trust more consistently in the playoffs. Um, Monty knows him from his time in Philly and loves him. You look at just the way that Shamit plays, low turnovers, can do two dribbles and make the right decision, kickouts, things like that. Uh, there's just a lack of explosion to his game that doesn't open up the rest of his skills because at Wichita State, I think that he showed some upside as a playmaker, but also as a scorer. And, and neither of those things have come into the league where he's just sort of just a shooter now, where I think the main appeal for him out of the draft, I, I honestly think we talked about him on this pod at some point, I remember he was at least in something I wrote that year um, about that. That was when they had 16 and 31 and he was a guy that I liked at 31 for them. Um, and I liked him just because of the, I thought he could be a shooter, but I thought there was upside for more and the upside really hasn't been there. And he's just been more of a shooter right now, which is fine. Um, over 70% of his total attempts in the league are from three. And that has something to do with the roles that he's been put on. He's been on three good teams and, and to use a line from Gambo that he talked about a lot when Dario Sarge came here. There's a reason that this is his fourth team in four years. I think that Shaman is a good player that a lot of people in the league like, and Suns fans are going to like as well, but there's a reason that teams are passing this guy around and he's getting involved in deals and teams aren't holding on to him necessarily. Right. Uh, below average defender. I think that he works hard there and is yeah. smart but he's not going to be good there and he will get picked on in the playoffs. So I, I think that in terms of it really shifting the needle much of the team, not necessarily. And that is where I go to the point of the 29th pick and look at it and just say, Robert Sarver talked about it earlier this week on Burns and Gambo acknowledged the fact like we're going to be in the territory of being, it comes with the territory of contending that you're going to be, a luxury tax team. And with a team being in the luxury tax, you've got exceptions. You've got guys on the minimum, but other than that, you do not really have a lot of resources available to add pieces to your team, not only for that season, but just long-term. And that's where you can hit on a traffic in the twenties and really change the outlook of your team. And, and the Suns chose not to go that route. They did not cho- choose to go the route. And again, I think something to understand is, this is a deal where Desmond Baines, for example, he, he got picked 30th last year. He makes an average of $2 million in his first three seasons of his deal. The first one just wound up. And then the third has a team option. The fourth has a team option, which is still only $3.8 million. So look, even if you develop a kid for a year, or develop a kid for two years even, and you come out and get him in that third and fourth year at this stage, you're still getting someone who is like legitimately impactful in, in that sense, right? That can yeah. legitimately matter and make up your money in, in that way and, and be of value. I think that still counts as value in my opinion, even if he doesn't play for a year or two, that is just not where James Jones comes from, from a team building standpoint. He used the index card metaphor analogy um, earlier today, three by five. And, and what I believe he means by that is having a, being three deep at five different positions, basically, and having a team that's 15 deep and Gambo reported yesterday 
this is a this is the team they're looking at and saying we want a depth piece pretty much at every single spot. We want someone who can play and to support the decision uh, to move the pick in this type of deal. There were not there were not a loads of like Desmond Bain types in this draft. Jared Butler wound up being there on the board. It looks like he fell because of medicals. I would have to guess with him falling to 40. But then again, D'Anthony Melton was the guy that everyone thought was going to be good. He still fell to 45 anyway, and he turned out to be really good. So I, that does happen sometimes. But I do think that maybe medicals had to go there. But I mean, uh, we can talk about the guys that were available later, Kevin. But I think that there was opportunity there for sure. And all this really comes down to is just how impactful Landry Shaman is this year. And then if they bring him back, uh, in the future, because it, I think that matters more than if one of these guys turns into something on another team. Exactly. It's, it's very short-sighted and people will say, well, we save money. Um, he makes about the same as Javon, but the next year and beyond, um, I, I don't see it being great for keeping him beyond this year because he's going to command a lot of money, at least more if he plays at least where he's, you know, seven, eight, nine man in your rotation. Um, and, and that's again, where it's, that's fine. You want to go for a title next year. Let's do that. And he's in place for that. But th- I, I don't know, I, I guess maybe people overemphasize. And in my mind, I'm overemphasizing like, all right, when Chris Paul's pooped, when it's book DA and Mikel, um, I guess you just think, okay, we move Crowder or Sharich or even Cam Johnson in the next year if you really need to free up space and worry about it then. So I just think that's the move. As far as salary cap, um, yeah, I mean, there. when you think about it super long-term there, there is that kind of in your mind because I have my spreadsheet out and they're at like 125-ish, 100 million um, already with, what, 10 guys on this roster, I believe I have it updated. And so I guess if you want to stay, the tax threshold might be around 140. So that's 15 million. You fill out the roster with like five minimum guys or whatever campaign's going to get plus minimum guys. And maybe you try to stay under one more year before Mikel and DA's contracts blow you out of the water and you definitely are in luxury tax territory. So I guess to just to not be in there multiple years in a row, this is also helpful too. With uh bird rights, all that kind of stuff, player option for Chris Paul still attached. Uh our Australian correspondent David Kevin on his updated sheet has one thirty four. Okay. Um and then he has the tax down as one thirty six. Um, so they're, they're right about there already. Now they're going to like some of those guys, I assume like they'll let the bird rights go and stuff like that. But yeah, they're get ready to yeah. be paying that tax regardless. And and that's without even the extensions kicking in. Cause remember like Deandre and Mikel, if they, they'll have those extensions, but they'll start to count for the 2022, 23 season, not this one. Uh, yeah. David has a uh, tax holds. I believe that's yeah. Cap holds in for like, the free agents basically. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah. To, get, to hold the bird rights on those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we got up to 10 more million. So they're right there. But again, if you pay campaign a little more, fill those contracts out with minimums, then you're right budging against the tax. So that's, 
two max guys is pretty expensive, Kevin. <laughs> yes. And, and it also, again, it, it depends what Chris Paul does a lot because if he takes even a little pay cut, that might be how they stick under the tax or something like that. But uh, I just want to point out, this is still a Robert Sarver team. They've done things to save tiny bits of millions here and there. Um, so I, I'm just saying that's what that part of that part of your brain cannot be completely shut off with a move like this correct yeah you can't just be like oh hey we'll see though it's it's again not that it's a very telling move even if it's kind of minor at the end of the day and telling move in in philosophy telling move in philosophy but this is absolutely nothing to read into in terms of like what's happening for them in the next two weeks in my opinion does that make sense yeah i mean it's yeah it is, but it isn't. Like I, I think I think we hit we hit that. Uh, so as far as how the draft unfolded, Kevin, we were going to speak with James Jones at the end of the first round. That was the announcement we got from the Sun. So we showed up on the Zoom, and then Jared Butler, Miles McBride, Io Dosumu, my guy Austin Reeves, uh, and then Sharif Cooper was the number one guy a lot of people were looking at in terms of falling, and they were still on the board waiting there, and we were waiting on James Jones still, and we were like, oh, interesting. Are they kind of working on what's going on around here? But uh, n- nothing nothing uh, materialized, and we spoke with James, and he gave us his thoughts on what he could talk about, which was not Shamit specifically, but just how they approached the day. Chris Paul, all that stuff, said really smart, all the nose things about Chris and other things that that should surely clear up and and just like fortify what was more of expected to be said there compared to what Sarver said Wednesday that I think scared the crap out of a lot of people and rightfully <laughs> so in my opinion. But but with that in mind, I, I mean, Kevin, there's part of me. There's not part of me. I, I opportunity costs all that kind of stuff. I know, but with a second round pick you look at the value of it in the future and you just look at the team like the Clippers, for example, who saw a guy they really like in Jason Preston, who we talked about out of Ohio, they give up a future second round pick in cash to trade back into the second round or move up in the second round. I'm not exactly sure which Avenue they took necessarily, but they gave up a second round pick and cash to get a second round pick at that moment to take Jason Preston. Cause they saw a guy they really liked and Sam Bassini was tweeting how there was a lot of noise there in terms of the link there. And uh, look, I'm not asking for the Suns to believe in a guy they don't believe in, but it would have been this would have been an opportunity for sure with um, Cooper or um, McBride or Dosuma or any of these any of those guys. And, and there was one more that Preston was another one, I guess. And if there was one of those guys there that they potentially believed in in terms of like a year or two down the line or three down the line what they could have gotten done from that point on in terms of just getting a second round pick and getting him on a second round pick salary and potentially having that being someone who could be impactful down the line at a long-term need, essentially. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say is that the, I think there was an opportunity there and I'm not saying they missed it, but it was, it was at least present. I, I think they don't care about it. And exactly. Yeah. They, Gambo just tweeted the Phoenix Suns will not be signing any undrafted players, which they have to fill out a summer league team. And you would think they would use two-way contracts. So I don't know if that means they're just, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, I, I still think there's something to be said for being prideful and 
searching for guys who can be impactful, who are over Lakers signed or, like three or four guys already. <laughs> like they're yeah. the Lakers with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, our window is right now. And yet they're grabbing and a bunch of guys yeah. because they could grab someone who winds up being a ninth or a 10th man on their team this year. Like you could just get lucky and exploring that it's worth exploring that for sure. And I, you know, I always thought Ryan McDonough, as much as everyone hates him around here, there's something to be said for, saying, all right, we're going to do all the background research on at least guys who are on the radar that we're capable of not overloading our staff, getting profiles of them, following them. If we have an opportunity, bring them in for, you know, just summer league even, and taking a serious look and not just saying we're just doing this to get Jalen Smith experience, but to say, okay, if this guy, I could see this guy being good in four years, maybe we don't sign him this year, but just give Dyson Nix the Jalen McHugh contract. Why not? Yeah, or yeah. or or not even given contracts, but to take a serious look. So that's where I'm just kind of philosophically at a different place where if I look at, okay, Jalen McHugh is a good example. If he comes in, I see his work ethic, don't like him, whatever, I know that. But if I see it, even if I have to trade him in that deal to get Chris Paul, I see him four years down the road. He suddenly makes a leap where he's an NBA player. He's a rotation player. I already know about him, right? I already know his personality, his family, his, what drives him. Is he a fit here? Yes or no. Um, so, so that's just the stuff where I kind of look at how they've drafted, who they've brought in and been like, they're just not trying. And that's what kind of rubs me the wrong way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to because it's it's just a serious part of team building, right? Like you have to rely on it at some points eventually, and and they obviously have with Cam Johnson to that extent, and it worked it worked out for them tremendously in that extent, and it could with Jalen Smith coming up. Um, I, to move on just quickly through what James Jones had to say tonight in terms of any nuggets worth mentioning, he did say they they went into today looking to add size. Um, there were like two centers available in their range. It made sense. One of them was the guy who wound up going there, Dayron Sharp out of North Carolina. But um, I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything to take away from that because they obviously want to add size. That was something that was obvious. I asked him about Dario's spot with Jalen Smith in mind, and then I just asked him straight up if he thought Jalen Smith could be a part of the rotation next year, and he said, "Of, of course I do." So confidence from the GM there for sure in terms of Jalen's potential ability to impact on the team next year, which has to be asked after he didn't play in his first season as a lottery pick um, and got sent to the G league and got sent to the G league, regardless of, you know, you're a contender, not a contender, whatever he's, he's a, he's a top 10 pick, you know? So yeah, we have to see what happens with him next year. And I, I believe they'll pursue other things there. Uh, but there was really nothing else there. Uh, Kevin, I got to say, if you just want to kind of quickly preview what we want to from the off season, which from now until whenever we talk again, uh, Chris Paul's deadline is at some point on Sunday to accept or decline his option. And the Suns will move from there for agency on Monday. But yeah, anything, what, what big stands out to you in terms of what to look at? Because the, I guess to start with Chris, yeah. um, the timing of that specifically I don't really know. I don't really know where to, I don't know. Why don't you go ahead? What are you looking at? Beyond Chris? I mean, 
campaign's super interesting to me just because of how well he played for little stretches in that playoff run. And I don't know, like, I, I think he's not going to get super overpaid, but like we talked about, they're stretched a little bit salary cap wise. Does he push into five, eight million dollar range? I'm not sure. Like, I don't think he would push 10, but if some team is desperate and wants a point guard who can add a little pop like that, maybe. I, I don't really know how the spending is going to be this year. but um, And then beyond him, I think Torrey Craig's is the one for me where that that's a big deal, even though we, you know, saw him on and off, I guess, where he just added something else that they don't have. And especially for a team that has a bunch of big man questions, like he's the wing that can kind of make up some of that rebounding and size problems, like go away. So that's also assuming Jalen Smith <laughs> plays center and not power forward, but we'll, if he's there and he's ready to play power forward where Torrey Craig was kind of playing it, then that would be obviously a plus, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect that based on what I saw. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Campaign's going to get money from someone. This is a oversaturated point guard class. So there's a chance that he slips under the radar a bit. I mean, we sat here and thought Rashawn Holmes was going to get paid. He didn't. He got two years, ten million. He got the uh, the mid uh, the ML. What is that one again? The one that's five million a year. My brain's just not ready for um, mid level. What the MLE, the mid level exception. My brain is not ready to talk biannual exceptions and stuff. It's too worn out. <laughs> oh, so that's yeah. like seven months. I don't think I can do it, man. We're gonna have to anyway. Uh, but and hopefully, hopefully he makes much more money this off season, which I believe he will. Uh, so things can get goofy in that sense, but I think he's definitely in line for a raise and deserves it. And I just think, I don't know if I've outright said this on the podcast, but it's something I've talked about in a lot of different places with cam is that there is no way to replace him. And that goes for a couple of different reasons, because one, the sun's not only rely on the fact that they have a really good backup point guard. They rely on the fact that they have a really good backup point guard who is kind of the opposite of Chris Paul. Yeah, He plays a very fast style that completely changes the game for them, completely changed the game for them a handful of times this season, like more than a handful of times, actually. So from that perspective, who were the free agent point guards like that who were good quality backup point guards who were change of pace guards in terms of their speed? Oh, by the way, are they 43% three-point shooters? Can they defend well? Do they not be bothered by switches on in the post. Do they like, can they do the box out thing on fives that cam does? Like there's just his passing too. there's just no one else like him right now in the league. And that doesn't mean he's going to get $15 million a year this year. I'm just saying, if you lose him, the di- the dynamic of the team is going to be different. Even if you get a faster point guard who can score and pass and is reliable in that sense. It's still going to be different. And I think there's so, so much value that he has on his own, just as a his style of play and how it helps them in, in that way. I think it's so important to the team. And I think he's the number one priority for them, obviously, uh, outside of Chris. I think you can look at people are talking about more trades and if they can include Dario's contract in something or they can upgrade somewhere. Can they get like a legitimate backup five, all that kind of stuff? Bringing back campaign is like the number one thing for me, without a doubt. 
there are some interesting dudes on the market, but none that are like the same thing. Like Ish Smith brings the same like shiftiness, change of pace. Um, he's unrestricted. TJ McConnell's interesting and fun and plays defense. I mean, that's kind of the area Reggie Jackson, I do not think would sign with the Suns. Um, and after that, it's kind of like, mm, mm. I don't know. So, yeah, it's, I mean, if you're going to run it back, I would find a way to pay that man, pay him good. And it, it's interesting that the Suns are in a place where they can, I don't want to say hometown discount or whatever, but they're in a place where, especially for a guy like Campaign, who obviously loves Monty, built trust with him, has a relationship with all these dudes. Um, he might just say, I'm going to do a shorter deal, get paid a little bit and try to go for it again. I, I think there's that possibility where it's more competitive, even if a team throws a big number at him. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing to remember about him is that he, he's unrestricted. So, I mean, I think that they're at a point now, especially with what I got to. And again, I, I am only assuming just off of everything Cam has said and posted places and stuff. seems like he absolutely adores playing here. So I think at the very least, I'm, I'm sure the Suns are at a point now where if he gets like $15 million a year from someone who will be like, yo, yeah, <laughs> uh, y'all want to do this or I'm probably just going to go over there and uh, kind of have to, it's going to go terribly, but I still like that much money. Yes. This is the biggest moment of my life and the time for me to cash in. And I'm personally from my own standpoint, Kevin, and I'm sure a ton of our listeners are here. (laughs) I'm sure there will be some that are inevitably frustrated if he leaves the team. But even those, if you get frustrated in that moment, just think about like how happy you can be for that guy to get a wad uh, just a humongous amount of money that he deserves after the journey that he's been through spending three days in charge. Put yourself in his shoes. Correct. Would you take 15 million versus 7 million? Which one would you take? I like the 15 cause it's a bigger number, more money. Yeah. Okay. Dollars. There we go. Uh, there are a lot of really good backup fives. Uh, we don't, <laughs> we're going to try and muster some stuff up tomorrow, I guess, before, uh, before things start, but it's not quite going to be the deep dive for sure. Um, I'll shout out our boys at the timeline podcast who do their own YouTube videos. They've got a couple of guys that they've gone over. Nerland's Noel would be incredible. Uh, Cody Zeller is someone they mentioned. I believe they also mentioned Daniel Tice. Uh, Jeff Green's out there as like a four five combo. Um, there's another uh, Green, I believe, Jermichael Green, who's probably going to get more money, but that's where like an exception could come into play potentially. Um, Olympian JaVale McGee's out there. Just that yes, out. I would be very surprised if they did not add a backup center that everyone feels not only satisfied with, but quite happy with. It's just <laughs> a very, speaking of oversaturated, like that's another area where there should be room. And again, you're going to be giving someone a guaranteed role for minutes on a, on a really, really good team that has a chance to win a championship. So this isn't just people are starting to use the phrase like you can get some ring chasers. And it's like, I, I just think you can get some veterans who want playing time on a really good team. I think you can get that with the opportunity you're providing there. And just looking at those guys that we mentioned, like the, what you're being asked to do as well. Like this is a very simple team. You just got to, Defend, work hard, don't be an idiot, and you'll 
you'll kill it. <laughs> Five stars, you know? All right, Yombo, yeah, Robin Lopez. They're fun oh, centers. They're a lot yeah. of fun centers. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I wouldn't mind a Fropez reunion. Absolutely. Sign me up. That's what I called him back back in the day. Do you do you endorse? Yeah. I just remember him for slamming a whatever he did into the glass like trainer's room table in the practice court. Oh, I appreciated God. that passion from him. I just remember him being like the, oh, yeah, that guy started on that team. <laughs> the, uh, the that team Western Conference team. Finals team, yeah. Always been a sneaky good player he has. I think yep. he, he got some shine, rightfully so, with the year that he had for the Wizards. Uh, it was good stuff there. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, we're not going to go through backup point guards because, again, I just think that it campaign is such a priority there that we shouldn't even go, like, the route of if you lose him. And maybe that's where we can you know, podcast if that happens and there's still time to kind of go over other options and stuff, but it's, we can't really break down it. Do you want to talk about for four minutes, how Chris Paul probably won't go to New York or new Orleans or any of these other places like the Lakers just traded for Russell Westbrook, by the way, in case, so we can finally stop having that come up. Thank God. That was the most like actually realistic one though, for me. But, the Lakers, yeah. yeah, just because like he has a clear incentive, a, a better incentive to win a championship, I guess. And I say I guess just because it's it's LeBron James, he's the best. Plus player the family, team. plus so. LeBron, yeah. There are a lot in the of same, living in the same city as his family. Yeah, would, would be he also team. likes making forty four million versus ten million. Those, again, bigger number, Kevin. Fifteen yes. is more than seven. Forty four is more than uh, fifteen. That is how math works. Numbers. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no else, to, else to go on him. Uh, did you have anything that stood out to you? I, we, we just mentioned the Russell thing. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll give my thirty second answer. I talked about a lot on the air already. Um, desperation. I just reek. It reeks of it in the air, Kevin. They tried <laughs> to trade Contavious Caldwell Pope or Kyle Kuzma or both to everyone, and everyone pretty much said no. And then w- the Washington was like, "Well." <laughs> <laughs> would you be interested and the lakers were like hold on we'll get back to you in three days yeah it turns out we're really interested actually hello what were you saying russell westbrook okay we'll talk about it look these are smart basketball people kevin who understand that like one ball for russell westbrook and lebron james and i'm not typically i am very open always especially with like the Warriors teams and stuff like that like they will share the ball but it's not even about sharing the ball it's the fact that Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands to be the most effective LeBron James can bring value as a floor spacer as a passer for sure but you're still not getting the most out of him but when Russell doesn't have the ball he's bringing no value and his defense is a train wreck and and the and the one thing that they did their identity as a team was defense they were the best defensive team in the regular season with net rating and now, assuming Dan Schroeder is gone, which, which is what this means, I believe, unless they're going to pay a, a luxury tax bill in like the $3 billion range or whatever, you know, cool. like um, gone KCP, good defender. I would argue very good. Kyle Kuzma, who has improved on that end and made it like an, a definite part of his game. And then Dennis Schroeder, who I think is a really good defender. Those are three of their best six defenders gone, half of them. And, and you bring and, and Westbrook, who's a negative. Yeah, Anthony Davis is already like doing everything. He had to cover everyone. Right. Yeah. So I, I look at this now, and the the best way that I phrased it on uh, our draft special was that 
Every time we're talking about the Lakers now until the season starts, we are not going to look at them and say, oh, that's the top team in the West or, oh, that's the second or third best team in the West. Everyone's going to have to say, we'll wait and see what happens because you just don't know how that's going to unfold. Even if you played Russell Westbrook like Bruce Brown, uh, Bruce Brown of the Nets on offense as like <laughs> the diving center who's six foot four or three or whatever, that's not what you want. So I don't, I don't get it. Um, low key, if you want to talk about other things that happened today, I liked Davion Mitchell to the Kings. Yo, thank their you. Back, their backcourt is super fun, and like they have three guys who you can just switch in and out. Yeah. To, to end on the Russ thing, I, I actually get it. Cause I just think they had nothing else possible to do. And they looked at their situation and the way the team unfolded last year and made the, they came to the conclusion that they should not run it back. Now, why did they come to that conclusion? Is it the right conclusion? I don't know, but they needed to change something up in their opinion. And this was the only really way they had of doing it, which I don't, again, I understand that from a, philosophical to go back to kind of what we're talking about with James. Like I understand the thought process for them to get there. Um, I just don't agree with it really. And uh, everyone on this podcast, knows I'm a, I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. I, I love his game. He's one of my favorite point guards ever, but did the buddy heel thing, like there were legit basketball people who were like, buddy heel is a better trade for the same. I realize that's a lot for buddy healed that package, but I don't understand why you wouldn't just do that one and run it back. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to be out of LeBron and AD are going to have to be out of their minds for that team to make the finals. I think, because I, I just don't see how, even if Russ is cutting all the time, it's just like the spacing is going to be so bad and his, it would Russell Westbrook would have to turn into a good defender. I think that would have to be the thing. He would have to turn into a good defender. And then from there he can provide a lot of value still, I think, but, I don't know from there. I really don't know. Uh, Davion Mitchell on the Kings, Kevin. Everyone roasted the Kings for taking another point guard, and I was like the only one who I saw on my timeline who, th- who thought it was good. Um, I just love the idea of Fox Halliburton and Mitchell, how they have some things in common, how they strengths and how they mesh and fit together and how they share some in common but also don't. And I think having two of those guys on the court at all times, given their defensive strengths, all three of them, you don't really have to worry about um, like a two guard matchup necessarily because Mitchell's small Fox is a, a little bit smaller, but has height and then Halliburton's huge. So I think all those guys can guard too. Sue, I think I, I like it from that standpoint. Now they still got, got to get rid of buddy healed, but I don't know. I liked it. Everyone was roasting it. No, I like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else in this draft really moved. Orlando for sure. I mean, they're, Orlando's the big one, right? Are they, they're sitting at five, and it's like, oh, my God, are they going to take the long, athletic, raw guy again? <laughs> are they really going to go down that road again? Now, to be fair, the NBA draft gods did put Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kuminga there, potentially. Yeah. But you know who put Scotty Barnes there? The Toronto Raptors. They decided they oh. wanted Scotty Barnes, which okay. I was like, oh, all righty, go on ahead. And uh, I like a lot of Scotty Barnes's game. It's just if you're looking, I don't know that that screams to if me. They can develop him, I guess. They they developed OG. They developed Pascal, but I don't know. You would basically assuming they're keeping Siakam, 
him and Anobi and Siakam, those three together defensively, like that's the best perimeter wing defense group in the league. And you can build off that. But what do all three of those guys not do, Kevin? Stuff that we know are NBA things. Like shooting the basketball. So yeah. I, I have no idea. That was kind of a mystery to me. But they did not take Jalen Suggs. He falls to Orlando. I thought he was going to maybe fall a bit further because Orlando has Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. And in a delightful twist of not necessarily drafting for need and just looking at, you know what? We really love Jalen Suggs. We have Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz already. That's fine. We'll still take a Jalen Suggs, please. And they they grab a guy who I think they just really needed. I think they needed... You kind of saw it when Cole Anthony was on the court with them a bit more, right? You just needed a guy who was running stuff and was confident yeah. on the ball and just controlling things. And Jalen Suggs, that's the best part of his game. I think it's perfect in terms of what they need. In terms of the fit for him personally, I'm not exactly... 100% sold just because, again, not a lot of shooting around him. You want him around a lot of offense and, and just not really looking at him as a primary number one guy, but he might have to be for that team in certain stretches. Uh, and, and then Franz Wagner was another guy who we kind of looked at, him and Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell, kind of same thing we talked about in the lottery where proven commodity, you're going to get something out of him. And those Wagner boys have like a certain edge to them that uh, is hard not to like. And Wagner just guards three positions, can shoot, can pass, can dribble. He's a very, if there was, if the Suns were in the lottery this year, Kevin, I think we would have been talking about Wagner a whole lot. Yeah. I watched like two games of him and he looked absolutely terrible, but I <laughs> was just like throwing, he looked like Dragon Bender bad, like just didn't know how to play basketball, but I only saw two games. So I'm wrong. I like him, and I think you're going to like him, too, uh, once you okay. tune in a bit. My loser of the draft, Riller Hive. Oh, brother. James Booknight goes to Charlotte. Yes. Another guard back there just burying our boy Grant Riller on the depth chart. He's probably spending another year in the G League. Come on, Charlotte. Let our boy breathe. I there. I had to look this up. Graham and Monk are restricted free agents. Probably <laughs> won't resign, I guess. But if they do, then know. he's definitely... <laughs> Poor Grant is definitely uh, – where is their G- – I don't even know. Uh, Greensboro. Okay. Greensboro Swarm, how dare you? I'm sorry. I'm just blanking on everything today. But, um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that really popped to me? I think Are you excited for Josh Christopher not to play in a terrible situation? Yeah, that's – Rough. They need to trade Daniel House to get him on the court maybe. Oof. You know who would take Daniel House? You would, you would create your own NBA franchise to get Daniel House on there. I admittedly, Kevin, have not seen a lot of Jalen Johnson. I only know the scouting report, and he sounds delightful for Atlanta. And there were a lot of people in the timeline uh, who were big fans of his fit in Atlanta. And then wouldn't you know it, the team that did the smart thing in the first round also did the smart thing in the second round. They looked at Sharif Cooper on the board at 48 and were like, oh. yeah. We'll just have two point guards who are wizard passers on the court at on the court for 48 minutes. That's fine. Who are disasters on defense. They're kind of similar except the shooting thing, but kind of similar. I just imagine like you're the opposing coach or the opposing like backup or even the starting point guard. They just pull that dude. And then a faster dude comes in. Who's just going to play hard for 20 minutes, drive into you, take you off the dribble and not be able to shoot, but it's different. I, that doesn't sound fun if you're playing against that team. 
looking at some names that we talked about on last episode to kind of uh, end the story there. Trey Mann went 18. He was actually the first pick of all the guys we talked about. That was a little bit surprising to me, but not so much in terms of his skill set. OKC is kind of weird. Like they already have Maladon, but I don't know, man. They, they're just going to keep getting draft fixed until there are no more draft fixed to have, and they're still going to be waiting for the trade to make or whatever. It's only been a year or two of that happening, to be fair, but it feels like 15 with how many first round picks that they keep accumulating and including trading 16 for two first round picks. Like, Oh my Josh Giddy at six was the surprise. That was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. But I, I really like Giddy's game again. Most of these guys, it's just like, there's clear negatives, like the, the defense for Giddy and like athleticism there. He's not really much of a shooter or a scorer, but like his floor general stuff and like the ability for him as a passer is super tantalizing. And, and I, I like part of his game. Jaden Springer went 28. Uh, Dayron Sharp went 29. Bones Highland 26 to Denver, which is a fun fit. You just think about having a shooter like that around Jokic and Murray and Porter as another like floor spacer kind of dude who could sneak in there for minutes. Is Quentin Grimes kind of a Tibbsy player to you, Kev? I think he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was texting pal, (laughs) our old co-host comrade, and I was like, that's a Tibbs guy. You're going to love him. Yeah. I mean, they traded, what, twice down – to get Quinn Grimes. Yeah. They had 19 and 21 and just, uh, I think they moved both of those essentially and kind of worked their way down. Uh, Dosumu, your boy, Kev, 38 to the oh. Bulls. Oh. Is he better than Kobe White right now, Kevin? Yes or no? <laughs> um, I'm kidding. No, I don't know. I'm sad because I'm never going to watch the Bulls, but oh, yeah. maybe I will. I'll try. You know who I'm going to watch the Milwaukee Bucks in Summer League because they took my boy, Sandro, Mamu, Kelishvili, <laughs> number 54 overall. I am thrilled to watch him. Uh, Austin Reeves was another guy I talked about and raved about. Uh, did not get drafted. Uh, goes with the Lakers. I believe McMenamin was reporting that it is indeed a two-way contract for him. So they snatched him up on one of those. Uh, good on them. That's a guy who should have been drafted, in my opinion. Kessler Edwards was someone that we were uh, aware of as a James Jones type, or at least I was aware of as a James Jones type, I should say. Wing, shoots, defends, doesn't really pop in much else, but does the smart stuff. He went to New Orleans, I believe, uh, was the landing spot for him. Where did JT Thor go? It says Detroit, but that's a lie. I couldn't tell you. The Hornets. The Hornets. Oh, thank goodness. Gavoni. Oh, yeah, they blocked like 37. I don't know. Yeah, the Hornets grabbed, I think, Thor, Kai Jones... And Scotty Lewis as well. And then Scotty Lewis is another like explosive athlete type. So like they just got, they just want to have every, they want to have LaMelo highlights dominate social media. Like they want every game. Uh, Eric Collins, I believe is his name. They're play by play guy. Who's incredible. Just have him screaming the entire game. Basically <laughs> what they wanted. Herbert Jones was someone we talked about, Kevin. He went to new Orleans as well. So new Orleans got Herbert Jones and, um, Kessler Edwards. So I like that as like one of those wings I think will probably work out. McBride went to the, the Knicks, very tipsy pick there too. Javon Carter with a little bit of dribbling there. He'll help. I talked about Preston on the Clippers. I, I think he's got a real shot at being a productive NBA player. Again, like the turbo boosters on his shoes for defense wouldn't be a terrible idea, but I think that he's got a real shot, but I don't know. That, those are my those are my thoughts on the draft overall. I didn't look at one team specifically outside of Orlando that I thought had an awesome night by any means. I guess Cleveland, just because I think Evan Mobley is the, the best player in this class, and you got him third. 
Uh, and you got Ricky Rubio on the same day too. That's good stuff. I do like what the Rockets did. I mean, they have so many talented scoring perimeter guys that maybe find one that pans out, find couple. Um, and then you take the opposite in Garuba, right? Just like yeah. defense, defense, defense guy. Like I like all three of their first round picks. I think they had three. Yeah. So I, I mean, we were joking about Josh Christopher, but I think I read Doug, Doug Holler's story and a scout was like, you got to humble that guy, but if you can get something out of him, cause he, he, he's going to be a hard worker. Once he gets humbled, then he has the tools and the skill set and the athleticism to be something. It's just, you got to tell him like, Hey man, you don't need to be the 30 point scorer right away. The, I believe it was the uh, Pacers who wound up acquiring Isaiah Jackson. And that was one of the rare, oh, you guys have got DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, Batadze, and this guy now? Like, what's yeah. going on over there? And we've heard, long heard rumors over there that one of those guys could be on the move. And Sabonis seems like the franchise player of the two, even if Turner has a lot to like to his game. So that was a little eyebrow raiser there in terms of, hmm, is something afoot, perhaps? The biggest reach of the draft, Kevin, was someone we talked about as well to wrap here with one more guy. Joshua Primo goes 12. Uh, boy, did I sit here, Kevin, just say, once we get to late lottery, you just start taking your dudes. You yeah. can double 12, and that's still not 24. is still not probably high enough for where some people had him, more of like late 20s, early 30s. But it's interesting that we talk about a James Jones guy. It seems like a, an R.C. Buford guy right now, Kevin, with their last couple of years. They, they love those freshmen with upside. They took DeJounte Murray, it worked out. They took Lonnie Walker, which is more of a wait and see right now, but I think there are promising signs. And then obviously Kelton Johnson has really worked out after he was a guy at Kentucky, and, and that's the beauty of the draft, who you watched him at Kentucky and you would not recognize him compared to the player that he's turned into now. Um, but they love getting this young talent and, and molding it and developing it, and that's what they're going to do with Primo too. Yeah, it was – it's going to be an interesting draft because, like we said, I think just a lot of these guys will pan out. You just don't know where. And even into that second round, I think there are going to be guys. And that's where the Suns obviously missed out. But priorities, man, getting back to the finals, it was fun. So I get doing that and going for that. Yeah, Gavoni saying, like, maybe he even goes to the G League for a season just to work on all the skills that you want to see, like ball handling and that kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of like, uh, I lied one more guy, Corey Kispert, just kind of disappointing to see him on the wizards. I thought there was a good shot of him landing on a decent team and I wanted to see him land on a decent, good team, but that's not one. So that's a bummer. Was there, was there just to go end on that note, Kevin, was there one player where you're like, Ooh, I'm excited to watch them on that team this year in terms of prospects. We watch Quinn Grimes for New York is an immediate one for sure. We already mentioned, um, I want to watch Alperin Shengun. I probably am butchering that, but I'm trying. I'm like Kendrick Perkins. Um, to the Rockets, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I forgot about that. Was he yeah. Rock? Wait, no, he was Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, he was Thunder, got traded to the Rockets, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it, it's impossible to keep up with this stuff, but uh, we here, we out here. Well, I want to watch him anyway. Uh, Isaiah, 
Isaiah Todd was another one, a guy that I was interested to see, but he went to Washington. So again, Washington landed a couple of guys. I think Cade is obvious. You just want to see him and Killian Hayes and how that fit kind of molds together. Zaire Williams was the one where I told you, Kevin, like he's at 28, but I think he's going to go way earlier. Uh, the Grizzlies get him at number 10. That was the, uh, the trade, of course, involving Jonas Valanciunas and Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for me, Kevin. I think those are like the main guys. I would say Grimes, Bones, we mentioned them. Jaden Springer in Philly could be something. Him and Tyrese Maxey together. That sounds like a fun, scrappy little backcourt. I'm glad they decided they needed a point guard. <laughs> Unlike someone you know. No, not that wasn't a Ben Simmons take. That was just a, like, they need a point guard other than Ben Simmons regardless. I don't even think I was going to Ben Simmons right there. I think that was yeah, more I fun's joke than anything. I just realized people are going to take that out of context. But. Oh, when does that ever happen? You fool. <laughs> All right, man, this was fun. Hopefully that recording works. We'll find out here in about 75 seconds or whenever I get us out of here. I mean, the usual with uh, free agency, right, Kevin? Whenever we feel like we need to come on and podcast, we will. Um, if things aren't happening like Either things are happening like crazy and we'll podcast or things haven't happened yet and we'll kind of assess where the chips lie at that point, right? I mean, we're going to know about Chris Paul's decision by Monday. So it will it will go from there. What is your, what is, I guess, to end there, what is your thought on what exactly happens with him? Not just if he comes back or not, but how, how it unfolds. Oh, he's going to, can they push it back? They could definitely push it back. I don't know. I'm just expecting like some more like pushing this, any excitement back but when it does happen i think he's gonna opt out and do like a three year or something like that test the waters at all or no is he just gonna come back immediately i don't think so me neither i'm not super worried about it until robert sarver came on and didn't didn't think about how the fans would react because i think he's just being like too honest but you don't be honest you want to be optimistic Give uh, assurance. Is yeah, a little assurance. Just a pinch. A little sprinkle. A little cherry <laughs> on top. Just a little more than, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think three years. I think there'll be options in there somewhere. Player options or a team option if the money is absurd or something. But uh, I don't know, man. Pay that guy whatever you want. Like it's, it, James Jones was saying immeasurable is his value. And I could not agree more uh, with Mr. Jones because there's just no one can come in and and do what he did. They can do it on the court maybe in terms of production, but what in terms of how he helped the development of the players, how he brought the team together, how much they all appear to just genuinely like and love each other. I think that's a very special thing that they have and they would be wise to bring him back. And I believe they will. We'll see where we're at in a couple of days though. It is, it is crazy out there. There is a relative, um, Unknown, I guess, is the wrong is the wrong way to describe it. But there is variance to the situation for now, for all we know. But there won't be the next time we talk, probably. So we will uh, talk to you guys then. Free agency edition. Roll through some new Phoenix Suns members. We talked about one today, Landry Shaman. There will be a few more, likely as soon as early next week. The madness will continue. Then we got some summer league to talk about, and then I'm going to not talk to anyone for a week, Kev. I'm just going to throw my phone out the window of my plane. Don't do that, but 
Yeah, that's probably not safe. Probably just like throw it in the trash before I board, but it will be dispersed. I don't want to talk <laughs> to anyone. All right. See y'all next week. Everyone tweet Kevin and congratulate him on being a dad. It's cool stuff. Cool. Bye everyone. <laughs>